0: I think of all the things that I am thankful for in the watch hobby, you've got to be pretty high up on the list, man. It is good to see you. How are you, Greg?
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. Salud. uh Turkey and, and Thanksgiving and, and bourbon and all the things.
0: Dude, all the things for sure. Well, so we're recording this for everybody listening, you know, uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S., it's a pretty big holiday, and we just did that on Thursday. It is uh, Saturday evening, so like two days later. And uh, for me, it was Turkey Tacos Day over at my in-laws. Basically, breaking down the uh, the turkey and and making really good tacos out of that, and and having tacos and good wine with my family. So
1: that's about as good as it gets. Uh, you might hear a cat in the background. I'm I'm remote. I'm uh, at my mother, my in-laws, and there's a cat here. And you know, we're doing the it's same local thing. color, man. Hey, man, it's all about it. It's all good. We got, we did not do, we did not do turkey tacos, but we should. We've been doing tamales like crazy. Lots of tamales, lots of bourbon. I'm a I'm lots a of, oh yeah, just all the things, all the things.
0: Dude, that's fantastic. Well, hey, man, let's um we're kind of catching up for the holiday and I think we have, this is one of those things we've had, I won't say a dry spell, but it, it feels like we're on the verge of having like three or four or five things come through in the space of like the next two weeks. So it may just be kind of recording fast and furious, but we wanted to get a, uh, a little hello to everybody out there and just kind of a check in. What is on your wrist and what is in the glass, man?
1: On the wrist is the rail master. Uh, this has become wow. Man, I mean it was not the wrist check for the last episode, but it was the watch of the you know, the the vacation, the travel. Um, listen, like, you know, it's neo vintage, so it's not by any stretch, um, you know, sort of, you know, ready to rock and roll against all, you know, ends and possibilities. But like, you know, it's 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 modern ish. It's been service in the last couple of years. You know, it's gosh, it's probably fifteen, eighteen years old at this point. But um when you need something, it's just gonna like, you know, go anywhere, do anything, look good, dressed up, dressed down, you know, on a bracelet, twelve, three, six, nine, it 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 checks all the boxes. So the railmaster is like sort of like um it just makes it happen.
0: Oh, dude, it's a great watch. You were kind enough maybe two or three years ago to let me take that thing for a week or two and just kind of test drive it on an extended basis. And I fell in love with that watch. It's so great. And the bracelet's great.
1: It's a great bracelet. It does not have micro adjust, which would make it like, oh, like it would give it everything it needs. But uh, in terms of like, you know, you know, the Explorer sort of like do anything, go anything, do anywhere, dress up, dress down, because it does it all. So the Railmaster's on the wrist because I didn't want to bring anything else, just one watch for sort of the uh, extended, you know, Thanksgiving travels. And in the glass, I'm drinking bourbon. Which is a little unusual, I guess, for me, but not for the pod. This is, <laughs> this is, this is the Knob Creek nine-year bourbon, fifty proof, or fifty percent. Excuse me, hundred proof. This is 100, 1.75 liters, bud. I
0: well, I was wondering if that was a trick of like the the way the camera is, because again, for people, you can't see this, but Greg was kind of holding this bottle up to the camera, and it looked like a freaking fifty-five gallon like oil drum with the with the perspective of you know the camera it was a little bit of a fish i think i was like holy sh- how big is that thing Dude, that is that's a what monster she
1: said. yeah that's what she said it's uh hey you know it's um it's a costco special you know hundred proof you know knob creek you can't go wrong we're mis- <laughs> we're mixing it it's um it's going in drinks it's going straight right now i'm drinking it very neat and uh life is good We're we're on thanksgiving break bro
0: Dude, that's awesome. Well, you can, yeah, you, you're you free to get a little bit loose, get sideways if you want, get a little bit banged up. Just watch out for the headache tomorrow.
1: Drink, what's on your wrist what's, in your, what's in, your in your glass?
0: Well, dude, okay. So in my glass, this is something I cannot get enough of lately. I've been riffing on this different ways um, quite a bit for the past two or three weeks. And I'll probably have a picture to post, but this is, I don't know that there's a name for this. This is just, it's what I would describe as like a hibiscus rum refresher. And, you know, you've got kind of this nice kind of a light pink color. It almost looks like the color for people not, you know, here of like a, uh, a pink lemonade. Of course, it's a, a clear, you know, but it's based on, again, we were talking about the brand. I think the brand is just Q, the uh, carbonated mixers and bases. And this is a hibiscus ginger beer. And it's got stirred into it like a level teaspoon of honey. And then drizzle over the top of the pour when you're done um, some simple syrup to taste because this is a really, really intense ginger beer, like really intense. It's got some serious bites. So if you want to dial that back a little bit, you can throw in some simple syrup. But it's got about an ounce and a half of uh, Diplomatico white rum, Mm. the ginger beer the, uh, you know, the sweetener kind of taming it. And then I put in also about a half an ounce of lime juice and then the squeeze of lime. And you can see, I've got like the two chunks of lime basically on a skewer. This is in a, uh, you know, like a a Collins kind of glass and, uh, it just super, super easy drinking, even though it's kind of cool weather, you know, it's not like a frozen drink or anything like that, but it's, um, the I think the spice, if that's the right way to put it. I don't know if ginger is like a spice, you know, yeah. kind of a note, but it's yeah. it's not herbaceous, but you know what I'm talking about. But that note to it certainly ties it back to holiday. You know, there's a lot of ginger in, you know, in cookies and certain baked goods and stuff like that. And it's just got that nice color. It's fantastic and it drinks fairly light. So I love it. That's what's in the glass right now. I'm all about the rum, as you know.
1: No, you, you nailed it. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got sort of the jacket in the garage look you've got, but you've also got a summer tiki vibe still. It's very MCD, you know, GMT.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the tiki thing go year round, but I'm trying, um, I'll, I'll tie it up with the recommendation later, I think. But, and then on the wrist, dude, I am reading the Jason Heaton sophomore installment. This is Sweetwater. This is the, uh, Basically, the sequel. Don't call it a sequel to you know the first Tusker novel, Depth Charge. Uh, Delight Van Dyke was a uh, an honorary, uh, <laughs> not a cast member, but a a henchman in that. Delight Van Dyke is my my alter ego. But dude, on wrist is uh, the super providential Seiko seven zero zero two. I got this from from Jason himself. Some time ago this was his Sri Lanka watch and it replaces a stolen SKX009 in my collection. And uh, I'm just really happy to have this. So on a nice um this is on a Vintager straps French surplus military canvas like a brown canvas. And yeah, just wears, you know, very easy. This was a, a grab and go for Saturday, you know, over at my in-laws, you know, jeans and, and a Hawaiian shirt and uh this watch and like I said it kind of pairs nicely with the book.
1: So hopefully we get into the book a little bit later, but um that's a great combination. And you know, it's a good tie in, right? Jason's a great friend. Obviously a new, you know, a new novel out, his second installment, which is pretty awesome. It's actually when you think about it, if you step back and like, okay, listen, as a new novelist to have released a second, you know, a second edition of a of a sort of series, pretty great. Pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a big deal when you think about it. I we've neither of us have ever done it and I have certainly no plans to do it although I write those like comic book vignettes and stuff for some of the uh the watches in my collection. But the the task I guess of like, you know, storyboarding out a whole novel, you know, putting it together, writing it, getting editors and proofreaders and then, you know, essentially self-publishing and shipping yourself, that's that's insane, that's crazy. So hats off to Jason it's, um, well, actually, dude, do you want to talk about this for two seconds? Yeah,
1: let's do it. So, like, um, you know, the la you know, depending on when this releases and when people listen to it, but listening to the most recent in my, in whatever my order is of the Granito, where Jason was sort of, basically, they allowed for, you know, a Sweetwater episode, basically, on the Granito.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. And
1: just hearing his, his sort of, um, The writing, you know, the work style and the sort of, you know, work pattern for what he experienced from Depth Charge to then what he, you know, how he evolved to Sweetwater was really cool. And it was was really neat to hear him grow as a writer in that way, as as a novelist. He's obviously an accomplished writer, but as a novelist. And it was really neat to hear that. And it's, you know, it's just, you know, as sort of like a watch fam, sort of watch community you know, uh, group that we're in, it was really cool to hear his growth in that and sort of what he was experiencing. And, and I think how people like you and me and others who are reading the book now, you know, and knowing him, I I appreciated understanding his, his kind of growth process there.
0: Yeah. It was cool to kind of get a look under the hood, right. Of the process. So For I have not finished it. Full disclosure: I'm about two thirds of the way, or maybe a little more, um, through it. And you know, just as a kind of a teaser, here's the basic thing. Right? If you've if you've read it before, then which is to say, if you've read Depth Charge before, all of this is going to make sense. That the principal character is what I think of as somebody who is equal parts, uh, you know, Jacques-Yves Cousteau. Indiana Jones and then Jason Heaton himself. Like if you could and distill Bond? those three, did you throw Bond in there or no? I think you know what I think. Um, I could see a little bit of it, but I always see Bond as being kind of this uh, like technically sophisticated, you know, super urbane, uh, you know, uh, ultra witty, um, and frankly, you know, uh, capable of great violence uh, at the drop of a hat. And and you get a, a glimpse of this actually where. This Sweetwater is taking place sometime after the last adventure, and I don't want to spoil the last adventure, except to say that that guy, the character, um, you know, Julian Tusk, is uh, you know diving, you know, um, technical diving off of Sri Lanka. Um, adventure and misadventure ensue. Uh, sp- some people die, um, and you know now we're at some point translated forward. Tusker is back in the United States at his job. And, you know, he's having to kind of deal with the psychological and emotional aftermath of, you know, the events that unfolded in the first book. So it's pretty cool. You get a little bit of deepening into that character, but the, the ultimate sort of the baseline elevator pitch piece of the story is in the Great Lakes, there's a lot of wrecks and one of the wrecks that's out there, I don't know that this is true in real life. In fact, I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent certain this is not true, but is a, uh, A Gulfstream jet that was carrying somebody who was like a front runner for, you know, a Senate seat or, you know, maybe a a presidential seat or something like that. Excuse me, hang on one second. (coughs) Sorry, to clear the throat. Um, And it it disappears and crashes in Lake Superior under mysterious circumstances. Um, The Julian Tusk character is an underwater archaeologist, a marine archaeologist, and his father was a Vietnam era UDT seal. And, you know, uh, uh, later a, like a salvage diver type. So think, you know, um, you know, again, something like a cross between, you know, a Jacques Cousteau and a Mokey Martin of, you know, talking watches fame. If you can remember that guy and, you know, th- there's some family connection, you know, the dad, uh, of the character was one of the salvage divers on this thing back in the seventies. And it's all kind of coming back to, uh, to haunt Tusker in the modern era because there's, you know, some political intrigue. And interestingly, you might get a kick out of this. One of the characters in this is clearly, clearly Asha Wagner. It is. <laughs> no and kidding, no she, kidding. and she's, she's a baddie. You so got to be kidding I, me. Uh, Yeah, Asha Wagner, Wildlander That's 6, badass. is, is one of the, you know, a podcast alum and she is clearly the, uh, like the odd job, uh, you know, of, of this book, you know, in other words, exactly, exactly. You know, so she's, um, her, her persona has been distilled very well such that without knowing that that's her, I was like, oh yeah, that's Asha. Like that's, that's a hundred percent her just in, in bad guy vibes. I'll tell you what, if if I was
1: ever so lucky to be personified, even sort of, um, you know, secondhandedly as a fucking, excuse me, as some sort of amazing character within a book like that. um, That's incredible. Very, very cool. Very cool.
0: Yeah. So it's cool. And it's, you know, it's developing. It's a good read. It's a lot of fun. and it, It's the kind of thing where, you know, you've, you've seen this, you've had depth charge. I'll probably read this and lend this to you or give you this one and get one of the signed ones from Jason to go with my watch. But, um, you know, if you make a concentrated effort, you could probably read it, you know, in a, in a long weekend. Um, or if you have, you know, a long coast to coast flight, if you get a little bit of a head start, you could probably, you know, knock it out in six hours on, on the flight to JFK or something. And it's fun. So it's cool.
1: I'm a, I'm a little disappointed because um I had some cross crunchy flight recently this would have been literally the perfect read for that. But, oh yeah, absolutely. But, you know, understanding the last episode of TGN and in some ways maybe serendipitously it's it, it also takes place at this given, you know, time of the year. You know, we're talking Thanksgiving into the holidays. So I mean, it makes sense that it is sort of, you know, releasing now, but, um, I would have loved to have had it when I was on my, uh, on, on some server, uh, you know, cross country flights recently. It would have been nice.
0: Dude, absolutely. And I apologize. I was getting a, uh, a text message from our buddy, Joey, also known as nine millimeter Musashi. Joey, I hope you're listening. Um, hope you had a good uh, holiday weekend and we'll, we'll try to hook up next time, bud. But, uh. Anyhow, yeah, the, the text messages are coming in fast and furious. I'm, I've silenced the thing, but it's right here. But yeah, absolutely. A- uh,
1: for, for our listeners who don't know, Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt talks to people nonstop. So if, you, if you're ever interested in chatting, Matt has, you know a capacity to, to, to connect with people that is unrivaled.
0: Oh, dude, it's it's so rivaled. I I think of myself as being like completely dwarfed by somebody like you know uh, Morgan King or or somebody like that who's just all about like the being the the community connector. I always thought that was kind of a you know an act or a shtick. That's real deal for that guy, man. I'll tell you what, bro.
1: Hey, you know, listen, we're on air, so like I'm not going to belabor the point, but like you are. You are very much uh, a person who brings together a lot of people. And uh, I appreciate that because you do it for me and you do it for, I think, a number of people that we that we talk to sort of off air and on air.
0: Well, dude, I appreciate it. That is at my age, that's kind of the funnest thing about the hobby is not really the watches, you know, is that sounds so phony, but the the reality is the watches bring you into the orbit of people, you know, and yeah. we've got, you know, we're not, we can't say anything about it, but we're going to do something pretty big in a couple of weeks that we can talk about hopefully in a, in a few weeks that we will get to do strictly, you know, by virtue of the fact that we have no people, you know, through the hobby. So I'm looking forward to that. I think you know what I'm talking about. Um anyhow, man. Well, dude, this is we really don't have a script on this one. We don't have a main topic. We're just going to, you know, kind of catch up and and talk a little bit of madness. I we never talk or or I should say we rarely talk about like every week about new watch drops and anything like that, but I do have to ask you if you saw this one thing cuz it blew me away and it's so high end. And so out of our wheelhouse normally, but it looks so bitching. It was the only thing I've ever, only time I can really recall seeing something like hot horology that was just bizarre, but at the same time like very much um like tactical. And did you see that uh the Ulysses Nardan freak one freak ops?
1: I did. Uh mostly because our friends at Feldmar sent out their 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 weekly sort of yes. check-in. Um, they do a couple of communications. So if you're not signed up for the Feldmar stuff, it's it's great because you're just kind of checking in on what they're up to. But also like they drop like the the hot drops a week and it's like, you know, eight or ten watches that they're really excited about. And then they'll like, you know, but it but it ranges from really like to your point, hot you know, hotler allergy all the way down to like, you know, really accessible things. And um, but I'm just a, I'm a fan of the freak. I really am. The last time we were there interviewing Dre, I spent a lot of time, and you and I did together, with uh with one of the freak you know iterations. And it's just a cool. It's just it's an amazing watch, and it just set off this. It just set off a for a, a sort of, you know. This a this sort of like. You know, it's it's a big brand, right? But like this sort of new approach to like time telling and horology, it has really appreciated it. So I I love that watch for what it is. I love that watch for what it represents, and it's just also a beautiful watch.
0: Yeah, they I mean, and they they've done those so many different times or you know different variations on them. Some of them look fancy. This one, you know, is in that kind of that murdered out sort of a, a carbon and black. Um, you know, with the kind of the low key accents and stuff like that. It just, it looks so bitch. And for everybody too, by the way, just as a reminder, Dre is junior, the junior horologist. Go find that on, uh, on IG. I don't know if she has her own YouTube. Super cute. You know, young girl who breaks down watches in like single take, like three, five, six minute videos. But uh, yeah, dude, I I saw that. That was the only thing that's come out lately where I was like, Record scratch, I have to I have to look at this. Usually it's like, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, Bro and Schmidt'll talk about it. I'll catch it on their pod. But this one I was like, oh my God. There's
1: a small part of me that's like, listen, you can sell off a couple things, and like you could find a way, maybe on the pre-owned market to like get into something like that that would be like really worth the time and the effort and the energy. And it would just stand out, you know, whenever you went somewhere. Um, so I've thought about it probably won't happen, but I've thought about it.
0: I'll start making moves now so that I can capitalize on it over the summer. And then I'll have the watch to flex on everybody at the next notice intersect event and be like, well, it's, you know, no big deal. It's just, you know, it's my freak ops.
1: Is it, uh, I want to say it's like Cardi B or somebody says like making money moves, making money moves, (laughs) (laughs) right? Something like that. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, I'm going to have to downsize a a bunch of watches and then also, uh, maybe steal your Corvette and sell that. So that's, you know, who knows, who knows? But anyway, yeah, that's, that's the thing. And then, um, dude, speaking of Asha Wagner, I'm going to just engage in like a little bit of, uh, pod gossip, but did you see that she got the, the black FXD?
1: You know, I, I, I caught I kind of caught that secondhand and that's amazing. Cause it's, it's so perfect for her and it fits yeah. what we're talking about.
0: No, totally. Yeah. This is going to be an all Asha all the time episode. We have got to, she invited us by the way, to go up and do a road trip. So we'll have to do that at some point, go up to the Bay area. I've discovered There's a lot of tiki up in the Bay Area. You know,
1: I I I have to think you're I think you're right. And I think part of it is I think California, I think do you actually let me pose this back to you. Do you think California embraces tiki culture more than other places in the continental US?
0: You know, it seems like that would be true. Because Northern California I,
1: and Southern California are very different, like right. We we know that we we totally, get and our listeners sort of get that.
0: Yeah, so I would think, not knowing too much about it, or if if I didn't, and I'm certainly not an expert in tiki culture, but I've been kind of getting into it over yeah, the past. You're year getting close. Things.
1: You're getting close.
0: Yeah, there's believe it or not, dude. There's a lot more of it up there than there is down here. A lot of what was down here is not survived. You know, there's a few places. Excuse me. Kind Ritz, of yeah, but. Yeah, you know, Trader Vicks was born up there, Oakland. Oh shit! Um, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Smuggler's Cove, um, that, that which is what we talked about. That was my rec, the book for uh, our last episode. Smuggler's Cove is in San Francisco. I don't know if you saw that. They liked our post. Yeah, that um, was great. That was cool. Uh, shout out to them. Um, but yeah, there's oddly enough, you would think Southern California being more of a beach culture place, there'd be a lot down here, and there's. Compared to Northern California, I just don't think there is, and I think um you know there's there's more in New York that I would have thought uh but yeah, yeah, I mean California seems like it could be the home um but you know who knows it may be it seems like that whole thing has had like three maybe three or four distinct sort of chronological like mini heydays over the past hundred years. Cause I mean, it's kind of been a thing since the thirties and it'll, it'll be popular for a few years and then kind of go by the wayside and then have a resurgence again, you know, in like in the, let's say the sixties, you know, maybe on and off again in the eighties. And I, I, I think it's kind of coming, you know, coming back, swinging back through, you know, with all of the stuff that's out there. I found a great, um, well, I don't know, I, I intended to save this for my recommendation, but this is not going to be a long episode it. anyway, so maybe I'll just jump in. No, save it, save it. It's, okay. um,
1: no. There's yeah, stuff out there though. Yeah, no, but to your point, like, um, well, in some ways it's like classics never die, right? So like, right. there are certain things that are just like really great and, and they last the test of time, whether, you know, they're, you know, a sort of lifestyle or a product or a a style of something. And so I think to your point, what you're describing is, is sort of timeless, which is pretty great. I love that.
0: Yeah, I think there's always something kind of aspirational about the whole idea of a really good tiki bar. And by aspirational, I mean, no matter where you are, kind of what stage of your life you're in or where you live in the country, Um, Or even in the world for that matter. I mean, unless you like live in Tahiti or Hawaii, okay, you know, good on you. But for the most part, you know, everybody else wants to go where you are. If you're in Tahiti or Hawaii, we want to come to you. And that's that little bit of like a glimpse into the culture. And it's a completely different thing than like the speakeasy atmosphere, you know, where it's, uh, you know, a lot of more conventional spirits stripped down three ingredient kind of cocktails, you know, Tiki is way more, um, like lighter, more colorful, uh, more varied in, you know, in terms of like the flavor profiles and stuff. And you're, you know, you're not going to find like martinis and Manhattans in a, in a Tiki bar. I mean, you will, of course, but it's just a completely different thing.
1: Yeah, well, it's a very different thing. It's also a lifestyle, right? Like, um, it, it, yeah, know, it is. yeah, we talked, we talked Jimmy Buffett when he passed, whatever was there, you know, three, four months ago. And, um, it's lifestyle, right? Like it's, it's, it's sort of, Hey, listen, we're going to like embrace, um, you know, good times and, you know, easy sort of lifestyle, like all these things that are just like embody sort of, you know, they, it's an, esca- no, it's a little bit of escapism. It's a little escapism. But in a good way, I don't mean that in a, in a very positive way. Like, and I mean that in a way that I, I attach to it in like a in a in a positive way.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it is for me. You know, it's the kind of thing where you know the, um, the tiki culture really kind of does overlap, not just like the the South Pacific thing, but you know the Caribbean thing, Latin America, Japan, Australia. You know, uh, there's probably some way to tap into South Africa or you know, Madagascar or Mozambique or, or whatever. Um, and for that matter, you know, uh, I think like Tangier, you know, there's, there's all kinds of outposts of potential tiki stuff. Speaking of which, dude, I'm going to pop this open cause I polished off that rum drink. Now we're going to Topo Chico
1: and that's what we'll be <laughs>
0: closing out the night with. Yeah, that's good. I'm so Topo Chico hard seltzer.
1: So everybody who's in Southern California I'm still working on this this is this is 1.75 liters of Knob Creek. Um, I had sent to our group chat uh, what, were the, what were the cherries that I sent which you 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 double stamped They were very good yeah. cherries.
0: Is it the uh, I don't have it in front of me but it's like Amareña? Yeah,
1: That's exactly it. Um, they did not have Luxardos which sometimes Costco does but um they're they are Marano cherries, they're in this sort of like sort of like ceramic looking blue and white sort of vase looking you know container. They're very good by the way, they're excellent, they're very excellent, and they will make very fine for old fashions,
0: oh yeah, totally. I've got uh like two two jars of those things are on deck in my personal bar, and I found them by accident and you know, just, they were available someplace. I'm like, let me try this. You know, they were out of Luxardo. Luxardo is my go-to. And, uh, you know, like it is probably for a lot of people, duh. But, um, I believe all of the back and forth kind of coded lingo between our man, Buzzy and Mike Stockton, they talk about, you know, Stockton bringing some of these cherries over from Europe, you know, the good stuff. And maybe they're not distributed in the Midwest. Or what have you, but those are the cherries that you know that he brings over for them. So I was like, okay, cool, oh, cool.
1: Whoa, cool, cool, cool. okay, hold on, hold on. So those are the cherries that Stockton delivered to the whiskey and watches guys.
0: That's my understanding. I could be mistaken, but I'm almost a hundred percent sure because I, I think oh. I verified that with Mike.
1: Shut up. Okay, okay, great. That's good to know. A for you know, just sort of like you know, double stamping what we're it's talking. It's the family about. connection. It's what? Yeah, exactly. But secondly. Well, how you described it is exactly how I, I stumbled into them. I was trying to look for Luxardo's. They didn't have them, which sometimes Costco carries them. And they were just serving these Amarano cherries in this big, fancy, you know, ceramic one kilo yeah. you know, vessel. And they were fucking good. And I just, I'm like, okay, first of all, these are really good beyond just, you know, comparing to anybody else.
0: I want so to I say they're a Luxardo's. few bucks cheaper than Luxardo too, right?
1: Yeah, they were probably the same price for probably double the size, double the amount.
0: Yep, yep, that's about right.
1: And I'm like, hey, guy, you know where's the Luxardo's? He's like, if we have them, they're over here. They weren't there, so I grabbed these, and pretty stoked about it to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I they're absolutely interchangeable in terms of quality, and uh, I like. The jar, as you said, it's it's one of these eye catching things. It makes absolutely no difference whatsoever, but it's just visually appealing on the bar, um, you know. So it, it looks like something different. And I think they have a few different varieties. I want to say I'd have to look, but I, you know, there is, you know, a, a couple of different options. I think so. You guys, right away.
1: I sent it to the group chat, and you were like, "Oh, double stamp, these are amazing." I am like, "Yeah, you are right. You knew it. Yep. You already knew these are very, very good cherries."
0: Yeah, super good, super good stuff, man. But yeah, the uh, the uh, the size of that Knob Creek is enough for like an entire tailgate party. <laughs> well,
1: I bought I bought one point seven five liters of Knob Creek and and one kilo of Amarillo cherry. So I definitely I, I went up I went up shop on on you know the the the, the cocktail. You know, go shop. big or
0: go home, dude. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you know how it is how we do
0: here. Right on, right on. Well, dude, I don't, you know, as, as we said before, there's not, it's, it's Thanksgiving. It's just kind of catching up. Um, we got a few things in the hopper and if half of them pan out in the next like 10 days to two weeks, we should be in pretty good shape for some fun episodes. Don't want to tease anything too hard. I don't really have anything like super focused in terms of watch topic and stuff like that as a, as a main topic. I just, you know, wanted to do, uh, to shoot the breeze for a little bit. And- yeah.
1: You know, um, you know, my wife actually, so, so it's funny, we're, we're basically recording sort of post American Thanksgiving and, um, she made, um, sort of like a mole. We are going to focus on, you know, spirits, I think a little bit more than watches here, which was sort of our idea, And she made basically a mold apple cider, cranberry cocktail. So it was like a hot, you know, um, cranberry. She did cranberry, apple cider, uh, anise, um, cinnamon, cinnamon, and almonds. She basically warmed up and made it into a, you know, a mold, maybe like a mold cocktail. We threw some you know, tequila in it, which was really good, like a reposado. I took that and I also made it into like a, a, an iced sort of like, you know, cold cocktail. And I threw this, this bourbon into it too. So the whole point is just like taking, you know, what we have in front of us, making interesting cocktails and just sort of having fun with it, you know?
0: Well, yeah, it's the whole point of drinking curiously, you know, just uh, try something new. I as- I think we mentioned on the last one I ended up investing um in that uh a a bottle of the uh Cabal Mescal and you know that's that is not something I usually like but their their offering is excellent for my palate and I really really liked it. I think a few other people actually that were at that event like you know grabbed grab some of those and that's that's the kind of thing where I'm like okay now my next basically my next project probably over the Christmas break is to start researching like mezcal based cocktails and then, you know, learning a little bit about what I can do with that. They'd probably be appalled because you're supposed to sip that stuff, but I would use a little bit no. for a cocktail and try it.
1: No, I think so. I think you're, I think you're well within your, your right. Listen to me like, um, you know, it's some, unless it's some sort of like, you know, super like long gestating, Varietal, right? You know, tw- a twenty-year tempestate, right? Like, yeah, I might be like, I might sort of like raise my eyebrows, but like, bro, you don't need to put that in a cocktail. Like, that might be beyond sort of like a regular, you know, application of this of this spirit. But otherwise, like, you know, a salmiana, which is like sort of like within the sort of general, um, you know, the general use. In in, in like San Luis Potosi, for example, or Espadin from Oaxaca or any places like that, if it's sort of like a general use mezcal, I'd love to see it in great cocktails. Why wouldn't you? Because it's also it's also exposing people to the spirit that they might not be familiar with. Right. Like, Oh, okay. There's, I just, I I just tried this in a new, you know, in a new spirit or a new cocktail that I didn't expect it to. And I really liked it. Now I'm going to go check this out. So, you know, I think as long as it's not like sort of unreasonable, I'd love to see it in a cocktail personally.
0: Well, yeah, I have to, like I said, do some research and, uh, you know, start going down that path. Cause this, this seems very amenable to that sort of thing. So anyhow, we'll yeah, do Yeah,
1: Because, you know, because, uh, you know, we'll get into it maybe at another time. I think we're going to have Everardo maybe and Dustin back on sometime. And I, I would love for you to speak with them because you were out of town the last time they came on. And, um, but mescal that comes out of San Luis, Potosi is usually cooked above ground. So let's bring it back to like cooking. Right. So like, it's not sort of underground baked barbecued style where like the smoke is really heavy. So if you're sort of this person, it's like, Hey, I don't like mescal because I don't like the smoky aspect. Well, mescal that comes from a San Luis Potosi is typically cooked above ground. So it's, you know, maybe sous vide, less so barbecue. Right. So like you're going to see, you're going to get a different profile on it. And so I just think it it probably lends itself to cocktails maybe better than other Mezcal's might. And so it's just an interesting conversation that you and me, Everard or Dustin, or anybody might have in terms of what Mezcal cocktails might look like.
0: Yeah, dude, I need to be, uh, sent down the path by those guys. Yeah, maybe you too. Yeah. It's all good. No, You're ready
1: for it. I mean, like, it's just sort of like the parallels between like cooking and, and, and mescal production. Right. Where like, you know, whether it's sort of, you know, smoked and, and, and sort of barbecue style versus, you know, um, sous vide sort of, you know, above ground style. There's just it's obviously going to impart a different, you know, flavor profile.
0: Yeah. I'd be interested to find out like, what is your take? And we can, you know, wrap up the the topic of um mezcal but I'm curious as to what you think about the appropriateness I don't know if that's the right word of um cocktail use do you go for the bigger heavier smokier mezcal for cocktail because it's going precisely because it's going to lend that specific note to a a cocktail where that's needed and it is then it plays well with other ingredients where it might not stand up to somebody like my palate. It might not stand up very well. And maybe then I would reserve like the lighter, you know, less like beat you over the head profiles for the things that I would just sip. Or do you go the other way around? Do you, you know, do you mix with things that are maybe less overtly characterful and you sip on the things that are massive or you don't at all because you don't like them? Like, you know, I, some people would say like the, you know, the best sipping whiskey is something like a Lagavulin, which to me is just like licking an ashtray. Um, no, I think
1: you bring up a great point. I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's, it becomes, well, here, let's, let's break it down to this, to my point, my point of view, what are you trying to accomplish in, in, in the tasting, right? So to your point, if I had just an absolutely stellar tepestate, or just like a really standout, you know, single eyelid, you know, you know, single malt, you know, eyelid, you know, really PD, PD, you know, bottle. Do you want people to understand that particular flavor profile or are you trying to bring them into the category? And so like, and you have to be, like, sort of mindful of, like, what the particular spirit is. Like, if I had, you know, a 20- 20 or 25-year, you know, Tempestate, you know, the maturation on this thing was literally two decades, would I want to mix that in, you know, sort of a eyeball? Like, no, probably not because, like, it sort of doesn't speak – it doesn't give, like, real justice to, like, the spirit same thing for like a great like single malt, right? Or like something that's like a beautiful like, you know, I Like, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't mix it with Coca Cola, right? So like it depends <laughs> like what you're trying to like do with it. Like if you're trying to highlight it, you you need to highlight it. But at the same point, My fourth
0: drink of the night at the bachelor party, I might mix it with Coca Cola. But you know. <laughs> there you
1: go, there you go, Diet Coke maybe or Coke Zero. But the point is like I agree with you. The point is like the entry, the entry for a lot of people is a cocktail. And if you can bring people in through a cocktail, all of a sudden they're going to, exp- they're going to want to experience and explore the category, whether it's a scotch, whiskey, bourbon, etc. So you make, you bring up a great point. It depends who your audience is. And what you want to accomplish because no, man, you shouldn't, you shouldn't mix a beautiful, you know, single, single malt with, 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 you know, Coca-Cola for that matter, nor should you put like, you know, a beautiful single varietal mezcal with, you know, Chico. But there's plenty of reason not to, there's plenty of reason to, you know, make a great mezcal highball. There's pretty, there's plenty of reason to make a, you know, a single, you know, a, a scotch and whiskey, right? Or, or excuse me, a, you know, a scotch and soda. Like, so it just depends what you're trying to accomplish, I guess, and who your audience
0: is. Right on. Well, yeah, well, I'll be finding out, you know, myself here soon, especially since it seems like my preferred tequila, my Blanco tequila for, you know, either sipping or, or you know, making cocktails has been really hard to find lately. I cannot find Fortaleza. Say, well, yeah, dude. So I'm have to what, start.
1: No, you... you, you yeah, you're you're 100% right. And uh, I've had friends sort of like, hey, is it that hard? Yeah, that's hard. And um, there seems to be sort of this weird secondhand gray market kind of booze proprietors, you know, they're sort of reaching out to people and sort of saying, hey, I can get you Fortaleza or I can get you, you know, XYZ, which is, I can't verify any of them. But uh, you know, and also the the winter blend just came out, so Fortaleza is even more like, even more on the radar of people. So,
0: yeah, yeah, we you ruined know. it, man.
1: I know the bourbonization of tequila is fully in force, and you know that's just what we're dealing with.
0: Yeah, it is what it is. Well, hey, dude, we're coming up. We're about 45 minutes, which is what I think we were saying we would try to aim for for a shorter check-in episode. Um, I am—I have a recommendation. I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you have one?
1: I think I might. Why don't you go ahead and start? I'll, I'll pull up my
0: notes. <laughs> okay. So for mine, I found a, uh, a YouTube channel. It's just called Make and Drink. It's a bartender named Derek. He's got a pretty good setup. His typical video is usually, you know, anywhere from eight or 10 to maybe 15 minutes. And he pulls like a type of cocktail, sometimes by name, you know, like a specific thing, you know, like a, uh, you know, a hurricane, you know, or a, uh, a Mai Tai or what have you, but sometimes it's more like more broadly defined. And what he, what I like about this series of videos is he is, gives you like a two or three minute kind of explainer on the type of cocktail. Then he goes into history and with Tiki that which is kind of what he's um, got a lot of, not exclusively, but a lot of you know the whole sort of uh, what I'll just define as like ex- exotic cocktails. How about that? Um, you know, so stuff that's going to be based on you know uh, rum, gin, tequila, stuff like that and not the you know not the usual you know martinis and stuff. And he'll you know give you some history you know, who were sort of the originators, what were some of the original bars, what were kind of the the first round of, uh, you know, ingredients back in the day. And then um, he provides resources. So, you know, books where you can find this talked about. And there's a, believe it or not, there's a, a whole laundry list, a big, you know, catalog of uh, exotic cocktail, you know, recipe books and and things like that. So he'll he'll point you in the specific direction and then he actually will make them, you know, and then talk about the different variations and stuff like that. So you can get, with that much background, the reason I like it is oftentimes there's enough information in the video to get a sense of what substitutions you can use because oftentimes there's a variety of of like syrups or um, infusions or things like that that you'd have to make and that you just you know, you might not be able to find locally, but, or you don't have the patience to make your own hibiscus infused rum or something like that, or a hibiscus liqueur. So you, you realize like, Hey, I could use a a hibiscus ginger beer, which is what I did this evening. And that's kind of my example. So anyway, that's, uh, that is my recommendation again, make and drink the YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun.
1: I love it. I'm going to definitely check that out. And, uh, that's like super in our space. Um,
0: have you so have you have you have you watched Succession on HBO? I haven't. I'm familiar with the the story basically, but I have not seen it.
1: Okay, so I just finished it up. We're we're so November 5, 6, 5, 6 months past like this the, the 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 series finale. So anybody who's been watching it's like this is old news. But um I was behind, you know, and, and I just I just finished it up. I watched the whole thing from start to finish within the last, I don't know, three, four, two, three months. Man, what a good, good, good show. I just, I can't highly recommend it enough. I mean, it's, it's, if we're into the whole, the whole, like, family drama kind of, you know, business, but also just, you know, being, being, being in the in the whole like space of like how do you how do you pass on a family business it was it was really good it was probably the best show I've seen in the last three four three four years so
0: oh wow okay
1: I'm behind a little bit on it but my point is if you haven't seen it highly recommended
0: all right that's high praise so I'm gonna have to like find that for sure that's. There are so many good things. Sometimes I just get vapor lock in the analysis paralysis phase of like, what am I going to watch next? Or what am I going to binge next? And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to read a book. But uh, Which, I'll have to give that a look.
1: Well, no, but you, you're probably on be, on the best like route for that. But like, if you really want to just like, let me just put it this way. It was the kind of show where I couldn't put on one episode in good faith because I inevitably put on four to five, like three to three episodes at least in, in a sitting. Yeah. Actually, I'm not happy about it because like, you should, you should be able to pull back at some point and be like, okay, I'm going to watch, you know, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. Like
0: where did hour. my day go?
1: Yeah, exactly. So like, you should be able to like pull out and be like, okay, I'm done. You know, you know, like pull the parachute, <laughs> pull the rip cord. And, uh, and I couldn't. So in some ways, that's my ultimate recommendation. Is like I couldn't, I couldn't pull, I couldn't pull the ripcord because like I just, I let three or four episodes rip through. But um, I you know on the on the on the on the flip side, like that's obviously a good recommendation. So,
0: right on. Well, dude, it, that is something I'll have to look up for sure because I'm gonna have a uh, I think a fairly long day. We have early morning Formula One, basically the the season ender. Um,
1: Dude, we didn't talk Vegas. Vegas was fucking pretty sweet. It was pretty cool. It was a good, it was a, I hope, I hope that was successful for the, you know, for, for the organization of the circuit. It, it seemed like it.
0: I, I would hope so too. I mean, I certainly thought it was going to be great a year ago. And then as it got closer, I was like, oh man, this seems like this is going to be fraught with problems. It's going to be too late. The track surface is going to be super cold. There's no support races to rubber in the track. You know, what is this going to be? I mean, there are some serious issues, but at the same time by the by mid race uh that was a a pretty racy circuit it's certainly the the visual like majesty of that circuit surpasses anything, and it, you know it's one of those things that if they can kind of work out the the bugs on the event you know the whole weekend as a whole, maybe reschedule it for a time when the the weather is um you know, a little bit more favorable, a little bit warmer in the evening. They have to do it at night, right? Because in order to get the visual effect. So I get that. But I mean, it's it's the high desert. It gets, you know, genuinely cold there. And if they're going to do it toward the end of the season, that may be a bummer, but maybe they can move it around. I thought it was cool. Um, I thought Max Verstappen got very lucky in terms of penalties. Um, and I was bummed for Lando going out, but We'll see what happens. So yeah, t- basically tomorrow early morning is Abu Dhabi. I think you know it's everything's a fait accompli in terms of the the championships. Yeah, but we'll yeah. now we'll see who you know who wins what in the middle. Who's basically best of the rest?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and that's for no like no small you know no small pittance for <laughs> for those teams that are battling right for you know two through five or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well, hey, brother, that's, we've had a, some good talk, some good recommendations. I recommend you let that cat outside. Oh yeah. yeah they,
1: I do. I do not. I do not have a cat in my regular, like nine, you know, you know, <laughs> places. <laughs> so this is that. Def- and he, he's, he's kind of a needy. He's kind of needy. Like he's kind of a needy thing. He's like,
0: Pet pet me, feed me, let me outside. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a male. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's a- and he's old dude. He's old. He's like 17. I think he's 15 or 17 years old.
0: Holy cow. Okay. So he's spry. Yeah. There's-
1: I mean, I'm, I'm in the, I'm like in the office of, uh, you know, the house here in the, in the, in the laws and, uh, you know, interesting setup for sure. But, um, always fun to catch up with you.
0: Right on dude. Well, Hey man, take it easy. We'll talk soon. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, well, I'll wish you luck for the recordings that you've got coming up. And I'll obviously, I'll keep you in the loop and everybody else too, for that matter, as things develop for the rest. But for everyone else, thanks for listening. I hope uh, if you're in the States and celebrated American Thanksgiving, hope you had a good um, long weekend and time with your family. Uh, we're thankful for all of you for listening. It's a lot of fun. Take it easy. Greg, cheers. Do some, uh, make another big dent in that uh, that bottle of bourbon, brother.
1: It's getting low, bud. It's getting low. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you made a little a dent out of it during the show, man. All right, dude. Well, hey, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go ahead and hit stop now, and we'll say cheers, peace out, salute.
1: We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at spiritoftimepodcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com.
0: As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.